I can sit around with my very best friends and we just play pretend and we like write this cool story and we go on this adventure and we create this thing and it's super fun. Hi, everyone. I'm Cami Chaos. And I am Rick Tarosi, and we are mildly interesting people. That's why we do our best every week to come up with somebody who is wildly interesting to share with you. We always like to say these folks might not be familiar to you, but they're famous to us. However, this week, this person is probably familiar to you if you're from Portland, might even be famous to you if you're from Portland. Cammy, please introduce our guest this week. Okay, so here's the thing. Yeah, people might know who she is, and that's fine. She's a reporter. She's kind of awesome. She works for the Portland Business Journal. We all like to read her articles, but we're not going to talk about any of that today. Today, we're going to give Malia the day off. It's the weekend when we're recording this, and we're going to talk about anything she wants to talk about, but mostly nerdy, nerdy D&D things. So, uh, Hello, Malia. Welcome to the show. It's so good to see you. Wow. I even brought my very nerdy mug. You can see it. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I got it at Ren Fair a couple weeks ago. There you go. So, you are an educated, intelligent, vivacious, curious adult woman with a serious career who plays D&D and goes to Ren Fair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think all of this goes together tremendously well, because if I didn't think that I would have some self-view problems as well. <laughs> that being said, like, that's kind of a quieter part of your personality. Talk to me. It has, has this always been how you identified yourself or is this like a newer part of your adult life? Um, I think it's probably newer and it's when I was thinking about it after I kind of had said some of the stuff that I'm into, I was like my hobbies. I was like, there's one really big one right now. Um, and I got into it because a friend of mine was, we were actually, we were watching stranger things. My friend mm-hmm. was like, Hey, I want to learn how to play D and D. Do you want to learn? I was like, I guess, I don't know. And he sort of coerced me into it. And then once I started getting into it, I realized oh my God, this is just like improv games. Like I was a Mm -hmm. theater kid in high school and this was never sold to me as like (laughs) theater stuff. And that's what it is. I always thought it was math and I am not a math person. I mean, I'm a theater kid. Um, And so it was one of those kind of like, oh my God, I can sit around with my very best friends and we just play pretend and we like write this cool story and we go on this adventure and we create this thing and it's super fun. Um, It was never sold to me like that. And so I just never, it never came into my like field of view. And so once it did, it sort of um, overtook a lot of things. So I was like, I don't know what I would, it's like, if I had found this, like when I was a teenager, I don't know what it would be. (laughs) Honestly. Is it just D and D? Are you doing some other RPGs as well? Um, Mostly it's D and D. Um, we've done some other stuff with friends, like little like uh, one shot games with some of those like um, what is it like one page RPGs and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. We did a really fun uh, earlier this year. Um, what is it called? Um, Honey heist, where everybody's a bear, and you have mm-hmm. to pull off a heist. And so everybody's like 
there's the brains and the driver and like all of the stuff, but you're bears. And so (laughs) (laughs) serious questions that arrive. Do the bears wear clothing? Uh, Yes. Because you have to try and blend in with people. So you get to pick different hats and different Mm -hmm. clothes. And depending on the clothes you pick is whether or not you can like actually blend in. Mm Because like wearing a hot pink crop top, probably not going to blend in. A lot of fur. A lot of fur. Yeah. Yeah. Listen up. Listen up, Winnie the Pooh. No just wearing a shirt. Are they bears with character classes? I'm so Um, fascinated. Yeah. Because like you can be like one of them is the hacker. One of them is the driver. And uh, I think there's like one that's like the face. And uh, you have to try and like get the honey. Mm. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's super fun. (laughs) It's ridiculous, but it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So very similar. I've played D&D and Cyberpunk and a series of other games uh, all the way in my youth because I knew it wasn't about the math. I knew that there was math involved, but also I hate math. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I was a theater kid. And so I would sit around with my friends all weekend. And sometimes we would just do like weekend long campaigns where we would wind up falling asleep underneath people's tables and eating them out of house and home because, I mean, that's what you do. You just have this elongated theater presentation um are you game mastering are you playing i'm trying to get it like a sense for I where you are and all this i have not game mastered i have there's um two people in my friend group that are sort of um forever dm types where mm-hmm. they end up game mastering for lots of people mm-hmm. um and then some other friends who have game mastered specific games um i have one friend i have one friend who loosely follows the rules of D, but it's mostly um <laughs> just making stuff up as we go along or um you know somehow the game will also involve physical activities that we have to do as like human players <laughs> um which is always fun so um no i have not game mastered i'm too scared to game master it seems very daunting it, it it's like it's like being a god. I mean, it it, right. it it is creating this entire world and being in control of every single thing that happens. I mean, only in control to the extent that your friends don't just do nothing but shenanigans and do nothing that they were you think they were going to do. <laughs> right. That's the like the I can't control you people. What is happening? Exactly. Everyone, come on, come in line. Okay. So, d- was this a pandemic? development in your life no this actually started before the pandemic like i think it was like i don't know 2017 or so Um, it was after i had moved to portland Mm -hmm. and um it was pre-pandemic which was great because it ended up i think helping a lot of us get through the pandemic because like all of a sudden like it used to be it's now it's back to being really hard to like schedule games and stuff like that because we're trying to get eight adults together for like, I don't know, four hours. Um, So it can be a challenge with everybody's schedules and stuff like that. But like during the pandemic, all of a sudden we were playing weekly. Like it was great Mm -hmm. because, and it just, it really kind of helps for, you know, things were scary and Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of control, but we could log in, see our, see our friends and feel some sense of normalcy. And Mm -hmm. then also like, you know, go out and have fights and kill monsters and do stupid things. And that was kind of fun. Well, and I feel like, especially at those points in our lives, 
sometimes it's more consistent, but like, especially a, a point in all of our lives like that, that it does introduce some form of control for you. Like mm-hmm. I find that with video games a lot where it's like, I'm within a controlled environment that, that I know what's going to happen and I can control it and nothing else matters at this point in time. So I could totally see some of that coming through in mm-hmm. that experience. It's also pretty funny. Like I don't play video games. And so mm-hmm. a bunch of my friends that also play, they all do play video games. And so they explain to me video game stuff. <laughs> well, and that's the closest that I, I had friends who played D and D in like junior high, high school kind of thing. And I never really got into it, but um, in college I did get into the, it's kind of the combination of video games and D and D they were called muds and they were like online text based games mm. that had charisma and dexterity and all that kind of stuff for your characters, but was very much leaning into the math of D and D less so about the, the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I'm the opposite. I'm much more like I, the storytelling piece of it is fun I mean, the fighting piece is fun too. All my friends laugh at me because I just like count on my fingers, my doing my doing my math. <laughs> what character class do you tend to play? Um, I have done. I tend toward magic. Like, I want to. I, I want to yeah. cast spells. Like, if I'm gonna mm-hmm. go, like, have this fan, like, in this fantasy world, I, I don't want to be a human, and I want to cast spells. So, mm-hmm. um, I've done that. The longest one i've played like time wise um was actually the first character that i came up with um is a wizard and um so still playing her that game's still going on um, which is super fun and then um i've got a ranger in another game i'm in right now that um is fun because it's one of the newer ranger classes that has um, a little bit more magic aspect to it which i like so that's been fun I always loved the, I I went for ranger, druid, mage, uh, Mm -hmm. cleric in my, in my youth. So here's part of my, (laughs) (laughs) in my young days, um, here's part of the motivation for talking to you about this. Rick doesn't know. I think Rick needs to play D&D. Rick, I think he needs to have a non- work-based storytelling exercise that he can really engage with rick i'm managing you no i'm one of those uh, i'm annoying to the people running the game because i'm always like pushing the sides and envelope and and they're like you can't do that i'm like why can't i do that well it depends on who this is a fantasy world you gotta find the the right like game master who's gonna go with like the proper balance of like the rules mm. and cool and story. Yeah. I don't do well with like the that. rules. I mean, like I can work within certain constraints and structures, mm-hmm. but you have to let me be a dumbass because yeah. that's really the only way that this, like it sounds to me like part of you playing is to explore the world and life mm-hmm. and to just like have fun and do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do. So to sit down and have someone be like, no, you can't do that over and yeah. over again would, it would yeah. dissolve now, you, you some gotta, of the magic. You got to find the right mix and also the right like mix of people that you're playing with. So like, mm-hmm. um, I know we often do kind of like, okay, this is what I want to do. 
<laughs> and then you can kind of negotiate your way into what is kind of applicable, um, which is usually helpful. Um, I also just, you know, I started watching a lot of like the actual play stuff on mm-hmm. like, Twitch and things like that. And um, yep. which is also just a really fun way to kind of see how you can play the game and stuff yeah. like that, which is, was super helpful. I didn't even, I should have known that people would stream themselves playing D&D and other RPGs on Twitch, but my brain didn't, my brain didn't come around to that. What is mm-hmm. that like? Do you Twitch when you play? Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, we are, oh, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 nobody, <laughs> no, we, uh, we do not, um, but there are, I think there's, um, you know, I think there's some local podcasts and stuff of people who do some actual play stuff. Um, no, I watch the professionals do it. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, so that's if I... someone had told me when I was a kid that you could be a professional D&D player, I think I actually would have gone that way for a career. And now I haven't played in years and years and years and years. But like as a child, if you had told little Cammy, mm-hmm. you could just do that for a living when you grow up. I, a, I would not have believed you. Uh, because I wouldn't have believed that it, it it has become a really socially acceptable, lovely, yeah. like mindfulness and bonding experience for so many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to go ahead and assume that most of the people listening to the show don't play D and D, although I could be wrong. Because hi, those of you, hi Mark, hi Janet. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have we have friends who uh, as a business build dice towers and bi- dice storage oh my god uh, what is it blocks it's called dirty woods i'll send Ooh, you the link later it's yeah. amazing um and and we're lucky that they are fans of the show and uh and i think we've started like a kind of a war between rick and janet they've never met but yeah, yeah. it's getting heated it's getting heated she's, she's causing trouble during all the lives uh, so walk us through. You've never played D&D before and you're going to play a game. Your dungeon master has just said, make a character. That's all the information you've given. You've been given. Where do you go? What do you do? Mm. Are you playing? The, the other thing is like I, when I was playing, you just had like hardback after hardback after hardback book. We had like libraries full of D&D books. Mm-hmm. Is it all online now? Um. Some of the stuff is online. Um, I do have a bunch of books um, that I ended up buying. Um, the So the characters that I've done, because I've joined games that were already happening. So okay. I created the character um, on my own. But from all of the stuff that I watch, there's a lot of um, people that talk about you can do the character creation together so that mm-hmm. it sort of you can level set like what kind of game you want to play with everybody at the beginning and then you can um kind of create the characters together which is a cool thing um my thing that i've done (laughs) i just kind of look through the classes and the the different races and things like that and look for cool stuff that would be fun Mm -hmm. um so uh you know ended up with um the very first character I made who I still am playing with these friends is kind of a, (laughs) kind of a broken wizard in that I didn't know what I was doing. So I didn't put the proper (laughs) stats in some of the things. Um, But uh, she's also a pirate. Um, 
so and an elf so i was like broken pirate was i was like what do i want to be in this game because i also went into playing it being totally non-serious i was like whatever i was like looking through the book i was like well i want to be an elf because yeah and then i was like and looking through all the different things that you could be and i was like well yeah i want magic i want to be a wizard and then you have to pick like a background and i was looking through and looking through i was like oh you can be a pirate (laughs) <laughs> and I was, um, I think I was watching the show Gallivant at the time mm-hmm. and, uh, the landlocked pirates in that show just cracked me up. Like they're <laughs> everything. And so I was like, I'm going to be a pirate. Um, and that was basically the amount of thought that I put into it. And yeah. then I had to figure out like, okay, why does this person have all of these things in their life? And then mm-hmm. kind of figured out the character around that and the story. Um, so. That's kind of Will how you I tell us it. her backstory. Like how how did she become a broken pirate wizard? <laughs> and is she landlocked? She's not landlocked. Well, okay, not now. I think actually we are in water, but um, mostly it was you know the tragic tale and um, kind of uh, <laughs> the trope of she was at the wizard school that got raided by barbarians. Oh, and mm. then took they were looking for something nobody knew. And took all the students and basically sold them off to pirates. And so then they got, had to go be pirates. And so then she was a pirate. And then she tried to survive being a pirate and uh, befriended the captain and was a pirate for a long time. And then was like, I don't want to be a pirate anymore. And so then ended up in this town where she met the group that I ended up joining. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was, I was like, how do I end up being a, a pirate? I was like, well, that's how. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the, the short bit of it. but. I was like, okay. I'm going to let Rick ask questions, but first, I'm always going to let Rick ask questions eventually. But first, I have to ask, does that creative storytelling, does that like finding the source for something Mm -hmm. in your fun, in your play, does that inform how you approach the rest of the world? Mm, I guess maybe now. It also is just a fun creative outlet to be able to like, um, have something else to be able to kind of like write stories around and like have yeah. fun with, which kind of also came at the same time in my life when I was really trying to unravel my identity from like work. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like when I moved to Portland, um, I was like, look, I, I was kind of burned out from my job and I was like, what am I going to do? Like my identity is so wrapped up in my work and I was trying to like set more boundaries and stuff. And they're like, I'm not going to work on the weekend. Like I'm not going to write that cover story on the weekend. Like I'm going to do it during work hours during the week. And then I got into this hobby with my friends and I'm like, it's just this other thing to do and not have to be like, Oh, I'm just going to work all weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess in a way is it, it's kind of helps with that kind of, in that other piece of my life. Nice. All right, Rick, jump on in. Uh, so I want to talk about, I want to go back to young Malia theater kid. And um, Cammy was in theater. I was the dumb jock who was like, I need credits in this thing. And so I wound up in theater and I was like, really enjoyed it and didn't expect to. And, um, and really just, it it was a helpful way of discovering a different part of my personality, I think, and and my ability. Uh, What, what drew 
you to theater and and also kind of follow on like what drew you away from theater like why did you not Mm -hmm. continue Mm -hmm. down that path um so i got into theater um my parents were both kind of into theater when they in their youth um and my dad my dad was really into theater and then i got really into community theater and stuff so we would always go to shows and like um that kind of thing and so that was um it was just always kind of there and like you talk about it, he had all these really great friends from high school and he still was in touch with a bunch of them and they all did theater together and like one of them had a theater down in southern california and like so it was just kind of always there and i was like mm-hmm. well i'll go do this i wasn't good <laughs> but <laughs> i would go and do it Maybe. you know <laughs> um and uh my sister also got into it and she actually pursued it. And so she was a working actor. It was very, very hard, particularly through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she's a teacher now. She still does theater. Um, she, uh, so she kind of went that path. I also at a young age was a big nerd in other ways in that um, I was very into the news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this will shock you. Um <laughs> So I, at the same time of being like a theater kid in high school, I was also on the student paper and Mm -hmm. I wanted to do that. And so I was doing those two things and also trying to like, you know, get good grades so I could go to college and all that stuff. And I saw more of a career path in journal, saw a career path in journalism Mm -hmm. (laughs) more so than theater, um, to which I laugh. My parents are both retired teachers and my sister and I figured out the other two things that would pay you less than being a teacher. (laughs) <laughs> um, which would be being a local news reporter and an actor. So mm-hmm. nice. Well um, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I went, I, I pursued journalism more as the career path and theater was kind of the hobby and it just sort of fell out because the journalism became kind of all consuming. And so yep. that, that was just kind of how it happened. It's super interesting to hear about, um, you being on school paper, I mean, I did, I did journal the school paper and was like an editor and, and those kind of things. But, um, what, what appealed to me as a teenager was you, you had this authority to kind of push the envelope within the school. Like you were given access that mm-hmm. others might not, you know, yearbook didn't have access to, or other people didn't have access. We always had this rivalry with yearbook, but, um, but maybe describe to me, like we have rivalries with everything. The, uh, what, what struck young Malia about journalism? Like what excited you about? Was it the search for the truth? Was it the ability to share perspective on other people's stories like what drew you to that Mm, well it started off with i'm just really nosy and i want to know what's going on (laughs) so (laughs) there's that um wanting to know what's going on and you know i do remember as a kid like watching the nightly news with my dad or like reading the paper and stuff like that and just understanding that you know to be in a community people need to be well informed of what's going on um to be able to enact change that needs to happen to, you know, hold people accountable and stuff like that Mm -hmm. to understand like what is happening in other people's lives and things like that. And so that ended up kind of being what drew me in. Um, And it was print journalism specifically. And then Hmm. I had wanted to go into TV journalism when I went into college. And then I started watching more um, 
because I grew up in the Bay Area and I went to college on the Central Coast in California. And um, once you get further south, you get the L.A. media market. And once I started watching the LA media market news, I was like, oh no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) This is like, you know, it was all the, the just, um, you know, police chases and all this stuff. That's, that's not what I want to do. Um, so I stuck with print, which, you know, it's a great idea. What, um, (laughs) what, what it back to the television journalists, like what, newscasters or or reporters like do any stick with you as like inspirational for you as a young kid i mean it's mostly nostalgia was um tom brokaw because that was the nightly Mm -hmm. news host when i was a kid so like his just his voice sounds like home because like Mm -hmm. it was always on it's kind of a thing um but not particularly um yeah, it's like that time always strikes me as there were so many great anchors mm-hmm. that were like household names. And then you had the 60 Minutes crew that were right. household names. And so I was just curious if there was mm-hmm. anyone in particular that yeah. kind of Not stuck really. with you. Yeah. yeah. You're making him talk about work. I know. It's what I do. I gravitate toward work. I started in theater. I started in theater and it just kind of Exactly. We're not going to make Malia talk about work. And it's the weekend. And now you're making her work. Well, well, let's talk about Ren Fair. Mm -hmm. Like you've recently been to Ren Fair. What's the attraction that that's, I mean, while I I think people lump together, like perhaps D&D and Ren Uh Fair and stuff, like what's the appeal there? Well, it's kind of funny because I... So growing up was not playing D and D or anything like that. And it turns out, I think I had some friends that did play and it just never, I don't know. It never came up. Or it was also, this would be the, you know, early nineties. Like it wasn't something you talked about if you did it. Right. Right. Um, it was very shameful when I was yeah, playing and in the early nineties. So it had yeah. this whole, like, I think the satanic panic stuff was still happening. And yep. so it just, nobody talked about it. Um, and then I had um, friends from, high school that would go to run fair, but I had moved away to go to college. So I kind of missed out on that piece of it. Um, so I only started going to run fairs recently, like very recently, uh, went with some friends and, uh, it was just super fun. I mean, you get dressed up. I mean, I love to get dressed up in a costume, like any reason to like <laughs> get dressed up. I'm in. Um, and so we get dressed up, you go and it's basically, you just get dressed up, go eat some food outside with your friends and then go shopping. Like there's yes, that fun is, stuff. It's beautiful. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's great. Are there still uh, giant turkey legs? Oh yeah. Thank yes. goodness. I mean, some things don't change. Something yeah, shouldn't it, change. There exactly. should always be turkey legs. Yeah, I know. It's pretty funny. Like when I first moved to Portland, I've told my friends the story. I, um, a friend of mine also moved to Portland right at the same time. And so we were sort of exploring Portland together at the same time. And at one point we walked into, um, it was the Morrison bar on Morrison. And we were sitting there eating some French fries, drinking some beer. And this group of people came in and this was just a random day or random night. This group of people came in fully dressed in like, um, French, like Louis the 14th kind of stuff. They had the big wigs on and everything. Mm -hmm. And we were like, what is happening? Like, we're like, is this Portland? Like, what is going on? And then, you know, fast forward a bunch of years, I'm with my friends and we were playing a game at 
uh, my friend's house. And he told us, he was like, if you guys dress up, I'll give you like little bonus things. And so we all dressed up in our like steampunk Western. And then after the game, we're like, let's go get a drink. And so we went to a bar and got a drink. And I was like, I have become the people in the costume on a random night at the bar. <laughs> what would we do circle. in Portland without the, the random group of costume goers? Like exactly. It shines for Portland. Yeah. Well, and the best part of that is you, you either cross the line one of two ways. You cross the line in that you become those people you saw and were surprised by, or you become completely unsurprised by any time that happened. And you're just like, Oh yeah, this is Portland. That guy running, that guy riding a bike, riding a tall bike down the street in a Sasquatch suit is just normal for yes. Portland. Why yes. wouldn't that be happening right now? Or you exactly. get annoyed. You're like, Oh, come on. That is not a proper <laughs> format for your unicycle guy riding the unicycle up the street. This was a, we saw the other day, a guy that was riding a unicycle. Rick found his unicycle experience to be. Suboptimal. Yeah, it wasn't great. I, yeah, been, you get a little judgy. You're like, we've seen that yeah. before. Let's let's bump it up a little bit. I've been yeah. seeing a lot of the like motorized ones where mm-hmm. like, a lot of those, by the way. Yeah, and they run in gangs too. Like they do they do rides on the weekends and stuff. So you'll run into like a weird like single wheel gang going I all over it. the place. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely something I've become more um uh aware of too through all of this is like let somebody have their joy. Like that's, Mm -hmm. you know, like awesome. I'm glad that you are super into whatever you're super into. Um, you know, if you're way into, you know, pumpkin spice lattes, I'm glad for you. Like, yeah, that is uh, it. Don't yuck other people's yum just because like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, I've definitely become much more, um, I don't know, kind of loose about that. And been like, yeah, like something that may have annoyed me in the past, like past Malia, I'm like, that's awesome. They're having a great time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so yes. I guess I've become more of an adult. <laughs> well, no, I mean, no, maybe not. Think it like it might my, be the opposite. It's of, the like, opposite. My my adult. childhood experience was that like the more adult people got, the crankier and more judgmental they got. That's true. And maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe our mm-hmm. generation witnessed that. We're all around the same age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we witnessed the crankiness and like the... I was also kind of thinking about it too in that like finally coming to term... Like I hit an age at some point where I was like, I don't care what other people think. Like I felt I like spent so much of life really caring what other people thought or like chasing cloud or whatever it was. And then I hit an age where I was like, I don't care. I'm going to do the thing or whatever and get like super into it and it'll be fine. So I don't know if it's just like a, I don't know, it's not a midlife crisis. I don't know. I don't know. I'm working on a midlife crisis right now. So if you have any midlife crisis thoughts or advice. Okay. I'd welcome, I'd welcome hearing them. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I don't know that it makes you less adult. I think it makes you more mature. That's it. Yeah. There Maybe we go. I was conflating those two. I'm an, I'm an mm. old millennial, so it's, it's yeah. adulting. Uh, yeah. yeah. Adulting is hard, but sometimes we had to do it. We had to adult today because we chose not to adult yesterday i i'm I'm curious (laughs) tell me if this resonates with you you've got the week and you have to do all the business things and you still have to do all the things to take care of yourself and then you get to the weekend and you're like woohoo! and then you're like oh but my kitchen is stacked with dishes and i need to 
full waves and someone has to scrub my toilet. And like, you've got all of these chores that you have to do. So our strategy is usually let's have one day where no one's allowed to talk to us. Uh, we don't have any responsibilities <laughs> at all past feeding ourselves and picking a movie. And then the other day we'll do things and be adults, mm-hmm. which means one day sucks sometimes, but like, does anyone else do you, how do you divide yeah. up your, your, your spare time? Your no, I absolutely amounts? do that. Um, cause like I, um, yeah, one day on the weekend is the day to like be lazy and do whatever. Um, I also don't mind cleaning <laughs> and stuff. So like I'll like turn on some show or something like that and listen to that in the background while I have to like do whatever chores around the house to do. Yeah. Um, and it's not a huge deal. Um, but uh, yeah, that's usually how I do it. Like at least one day has to be good. And then as I've gotten older, if I have plans on the weekend for both days, like if we're going camping or whatever, I'm like, I am taking the Monday off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. So if it's like, if I've got too many activities planned for a weekend, I'm like, I'm taking Monday off. And that's one activity a weekend is usually my top. But like, (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I've got one thing scheduled. So you'll have to wait six weeks until I have another weekend that doesn't have anything at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some weekends I end up, so I'm in two D and D games right now. And some weekends I'll end up both games in the same weekend because it's, Mm. um, to some extent, the same sort, the same folks kind of in different, um, different groups. And so then trying to like coordinate schedules and stuff. And sometimes it just ends up it's an entire weekend of D and D, which is fun. Which is not a bad thing. I had no. many of those in my youth We'd just camp out in someone's living room. Mm-hmm. Occasionally the parents and see now you're the grown up, So you get to make the decisions about exactly. where you are, but occasionally the parents would be like, find any other house. Just, I don't care where you are. Just, there are six of you go bother someone else for a little while yeah um yeah and now that there's food delivery it's amazing right (laughs) so amazing that's around the the phone everybody picks something the only food Mm -hmm. you could have delivered then where i was living which was in california as well was pizza nothing Mm -hmm. else got delivered so all right rick you're i forbid you to talk to her about work that was the deal. So you can ask her We didn't talk about work. We talked about the inspiration. We for talked about her career and what came her career. I'm, I am defending. I'm defending this work-life boundary that you wanted to put in place for this interview. I know, I know, but it's it's really it, given. So for for folks who don't know, Molly and I work closely together. In Usually, the I'm same asking the questions. This is yeah, weird. exactly. Do. So this must be relaxing for you. (laughs) (laughs) You don't don't have to ask any questions. Yeah. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Although I would, he was very excited when you moved to town and he was like, we have a new startup reporter for the PBJ. He was, I remember it was somebody who's actually focused. Yeah. 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 Well, it's really funny. Like I was thinking, I was like, yeah, I got introduced to you because my, when I had put, when I was still going on Facebook and Facebook was the mm-hmm. thing I uh, posted the, to let everybody know I was moving back to the West coast. Um, Cause I'd been out East for so long. Yep. Uh, my cousin was like, Oh, I know somebody who works in Portland in tech. And I was like, Oh, cool. You know, intro would be great. It was Rick. I was like, you know, the guy, <laughs> you don't know some guy. Just some I was guy. like, what the heck? You know, yeah. Rick. So it was really funny. <clears throat> yeah. 
That happens well, a lot. Yeah. Smooth intro into the Portland tech scene. Oh. Exactly. And now we're going to move back away from the Portland tech scene. Yes. Is it time for mildly interesting questions? No, not quite yes. yet. We get not to go quite yet. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, and because you're looking, we chatted a lot before the show actually started. So the timer looks a little later than it is. Um, I wanted to talk about, you know, you, we've discussed like theater and D and D and like all these things. Um, what we we've talked about, like how you express these things, like what do you consume to inspire that creativity? Like, are you an avid reader? Does mm-hmm. that come from shows and movies? Like where, where do you like to like consume creative content? Mm-hmm. I uh, read a lot. Um, and I started reading kind of exclusively fantasy and sci-fi stuff, like right, right after Trump got elected, honestly, oh, I was like, yeah. I'm going to yep. escape into some fantasy and it's going to be great. <laughs> and then I also really, uh, focused in on like, I mostly read writers that are women and people of color. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's sci-fi and fantasy, from those writers and it's uh pretty great and so i get a lot of stuff from that um i watch a lot of animation like i love animated Mm. shows and things like that for like all ages um and so and a lot of those kind of skew into kind of um various kinds of fantasy and things like that um and then i i don't know any of the like actual like D &D lore because i never read any of those kind of books or anything like that and so um I just make it up as I go. So I, I, which is also kind of nice. Cause I guess there's a lot of like baggage from various things over the years yeah. that they did. Mm. And I don't know any of that. So like I made a character and I wanted it to be an elf because I was like, elves seem cool. And I could make up my own elf thing. Like, I don't know any of the like, uh, like elf facts or whatever that like people talk about. So I can, you know, do, do whatever, which is kind of nice and freeing for that. Yeah. Um, and then I watch a lot of the, like I said, a lot of the actual play stuff, um, which is a lot of um, really interesting people because a lot of them are like actors and like um, screenwriters and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. it's these really talented artists coming up with interesting characters and interesting stories. And you can kind of watch how a good story is put together and like all that stuff. And that, that kind of helps a lot too. So it's more like watching people workshop and just a structured yeah. And then you also get a really cool, compelling story at the same time. Like the amount of time, like it's always just stunning to me watching folks who do this professionally, like the dialogue that they come up with just off the top of their head. And they've created such rich characters because they're like, that's what they do. They know how to really embody something and like explore various kinds of um, characteristics that they want to explore. And, mm-hmm. um, it's just really interesting to watch that. I mean, the amount of times I've cried watching people play D and D is, it's, I had no idea. Like it could be that just emotionally compelling as you watch these things. Mm-hmm. How much of your life time-wise do you think D and D takes up right now? Um, probably more than it should. Well, okay. no, I don't. Think like, not in a judgmental judge- way. Just I, I don't think there should be a judgment a attached to that way. at all. Yeah, no, I don't know. So, I mean, I play with my friends at least. Usually, I think we're playing like at least twice a month. Um, mm-hmm. And then, 
honestly, that's most of the media I consume at this point. Um, because <laughs> it's, like I said, it's just as compelling as anything else that's on TV. And, um, it's kind of into the like fantasy storytelling, which I really like, which isn't a ton that I see on TV. Yeah. Um, well, and unfortunately, thanks to asshole studio execs, those yeah. folks all have more time to be doing yeah. that well, kind of stuff right now. It's a really interesting thing, too. And this kind of, I, the more I got into watching this stuff, the more I was like, God, if I was like still in school, like there's some really interesting like master's theses to be written right now over yep. how the media has shifted. And like there are creators who are actors and writers being able to put their own stuff out there. Um, separate from the studio. I mean, one of the shows, like I watch Critical Role, which is like the big one. And -hmm. like the amount of money they were able to raise on Kickstarter to do their own animated series was astounding. Um, I think they're one of the top Twitch, like um, in terms of money drivers for Twitch. Um, And it's, they've essentially created their own studio out of all of this stuff that basically started as them just playing a game and for fun, streaming it um which is just kind of really interesting um to see how that changes and so i'm curious like now that there's the strike and stuff happening like are folks going to be able to get their own stuff out there i don't know how the rules work because i don't know how any of that works right right i think that'll get it makes me think of the the great thing to me that came out of the last writer strike Uh, Mm -hmm. and i i just want to it's way more than a writer strike at this point people are being treated terribly Mm -hmm. we've got all all manner of people from the hollywood creation generation content machine who are standing up with the writers right now and that's fantastic but it makes me think of dr horrible sing-along blog yeah um and wow like that was amazing and as a as a content creator it makes me wonder are we getting to the point where we can start to let go of all of the polish and shine and special effects and, mm-hmm. and like Hollywood sized humans that go into making a lot of television shows right now. There's a lot more diversity and inclusion in television than there used to be. And that's not to say that there's enough, mm-hmm. um, but when you have real people having real conversations or playing games and doing things together, it's a lot mm-hmm. more effective of what our humanity can look like. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, I wonder if you think there's like, I, I'm starting to feel like there's a place where we're stepping away from heavily edited mm-hmm. content creation that is on TV that everyone needs to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I, I mean, when I was in grad school, which at this point was a very long time ago, um, <laughs> they were talking about. I remember because th- that was like, <laughs> they were talking, it was kind of the advent of you're the backpack journalist where you were like, you were everything. You were the reporter, you're the photographer, you're the videographer, because now you could put up video on YouTube and um, professors and stuff talking about how you don't have to have things polished. People will watch YouTube videos that aren't polished. And mm-hmm. I think that is still continued to be true. Um, and the show that, is a prime example of that. Like people watch <laughs> unpolished, unpolished YouTube content all the yeah. time. Yeah. So I think it, you know, it, it'll be, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in an industry too, that's going to get changed and we don't know how, and there's a lot of, yeah. a lot of yeah. unanswered questions and things like that. So, well, and I think it's, I think it's the, so 
speaking specifically to the unpolished and also kind of like other people taking the opportunity to express themselves, you had the pandemic where, you know, suddenly these people that you'd only seen in very like controlled environments were broadcasting from their kitchen table or whatever. And Mm -hmm. then um, when you kind of were barely coming out of that and you compound it with the writers and actors strike, like Mm -hmm. you saw a whole new generation of podcasting come about, like you saw a whole new show formats. Um, I, I mean, I'm really curious to see what happens and I, I think it's going to be additive because again, not to get back into work again, but everybody was like, blogs are going to kill the journalistic mm-hmm. pursuit, right? Like if everybody can write online, right. then... But, Turns out it wasn't the blogs, it was the social media and the search engines, yeah. but, you know. Yeah, and <laughs> and the and the death of classified advertising. Yeah, I mean, that's that what I mean. Like they, was, they took yeah. all the ad revenue, yeah. so... Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be... Uh, you give people the tools and I mean, and the stuff that I'm watching is still pretty polished. I mean, there's a lot of editing and things that happen and they, um, uh, do great productions, but it's not like a summer blockbuster movie kind of thing, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, or even like we've been talking a lot about, like even the reality shows are canceled because they're so scripted reality wise that mm-hmm. like that, there's there's nothing being produced by studios they, that doesn't yeah, they have, have to write something in order yeah. to have the reality take place mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. think the other part of it is the technology has come so far that you can sit and edit something and make it look polished on your phone mm-hmm. uh, we were watching um we were watching a horrible horrible show that I wouldn't recommend to anyone, but it's because it it had to do with a person who cooks things and we like watching him cook things and he's not cooking things on this, but he's having people do things. And one of the challenges he set forth was that for them to create an advertisement in three hours on their phone with a video. And I was like, it's not hard. We could do that. Oh, okay. Wow. That's how far we've come. Like 15 Mm -hmm. years ago, I wouldn't have thought that today. I definitely do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Now it's time okay. for mildly interesting questions. All right. cool. And this is a first for this I'm season. So excited. Our guest brought their own die for the fifth question. I'm Ooh. very excited. All right. So what <laughs> so we're going to do. What die would you like me to use? A 20 sided, please. A 20 sided. Okay. Now I got to pick yes. the right one because yeah. I have. I have so many because you got to make sure it's got the right juju going. And- you do. You've got mm-hmm. it's got to have the right mojo on it. You don't mm-hmm. want to. There's no bad questions. I don't think. I mean, there's a few that I wouldn't want to answer. Uh oh. There's well, a lot you I'm have like, answered. There's a yeah. lot I have answers. There's a few that my, I didn't like favorites. answering. Ooh, Very pretty. Nice. Oh, that's yeah. excellent. I love it. Okay, I'm going to ask the first three, first four questions, and then we'll have you roll. The first question okay. is. What one habit would you like to pick up over the next year? Mm, habits. Um, let's see. Maybe hmm, being better about going, like working out better. Like hmm. I've got a pretty good foundational cardio. I got to add more to it. So okay. I got to, I got to, I got to add some weights in there. Up that workout routine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Question number two, would you like to know a little bit about a lot of things or a lot about one thing? 
mm, a little about a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to be that's good at pub trivia. Yeah, that's the sensible <laughs> answer. Question number three, the all important one. What do you need from the grocery store? What do I need from the grocery store? Yeah. Coffee. Oh, always good. So Portland of you. Question number four, would you like to survive the zombie apocalypse? Absolutely not. Nope. <laughs> I I can't do scary movies. I can't do horror. It freaks me out. I get so stressed. I don't want to. No, nope, don't want to live it. Yeah. You shouldn't come over here in October. I'm just saying I'm already preparing my October playlist of movies. So uh, nope. Okay, Malia, will you please roll that die and then show us the number? All right. Ooh, it's a 10. So I survived Ooh. my death save if I had a... Yes, is you it? did. It's it such a pretty down. die. Oof. Oh, this is a hard one. Would you rather be loved or respected? Ooh. Why can't you be both? I don't know, but for the purpose like of this question... It's like unnecessary binary. I know. Um, it's evil. It's my question, so I know it's evil. It's a chaotic um, evil. Yeah, yeah. Uh, loved. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, Rick, is there anything we did not cover? I don't think so. I just, it, given that we've broken new ground with somebody already having their die, you were still planning to send a die, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So, so you have one more D twenty rolling around in that. Oh God, guys! You, this is check out this. This was the cool. I found this at the run fair. This is a D six, and you spin it like a cradle. Yeah, it's super fun. That's cool. Yeah. Well, there's so many. Oh, you're getting the purple one. Yes, it matches my my dice aesthetic. Yes. Yeah. I have, yes. I have so many. Well, you're about to have one no, more. You cannot have too many. So. You can't have too many. This is just a bag of 20-sided dice that we choose from to roll for the guests. The the actual dice collection from when I used to play are it. all in the game cabinet. So uh, these are not real to me. These are like very I'm nice. At this point, really trying to convince myself that the next like if I get some sum of money, uh, I don't need to buy this very large dice that this dice maker, like you can hold it in your hand, this dice maker <laughs> makes. Because um, my Instagram is too many dice makers. I mean, it's great. It's just, mm-hmm. I've, I've tuned the algorithm perfectly and I follow a bunch of them. And this one makes big, giant dice and they look so pretty. And I was like, I could just. It's like there. Price is Right. It's the Price is Right size dice. Yeah, it is. That's awesome. Yeah. Or or Hell's Kitchen. Uh, last week, I went to mail our dice to our guests that had answered questions on the show. And the postal worker that I met uh, was so excited. He picked it up and he's like, this feels like dice. And I was like, it is. He's like, is it 20-sided? And I was like, yes. Yes, it Through is. Through packaging. Through hmm. bubble wrap. He was amazing. like, this is amazing. And then <laughs> we got good. to have a conversation about his friend who casts his own dice. Oh. And, and my friends and I are trying to figure out how we're like, we got to start just making dice and making stuff so that we can all quit our jobs and just like make D&D stuff. I mean, yeah. I'm going to connect you with Mark and Janet. Mark and yeah. Janet, mm-hmm. me, Malia. Malia, amazing. I'll introduce you to Mark and Janet. Mark is one of my very close friends from junior high and high school. I used Ooh. to play D&D with him when we amazing. were kids. Well, are you guys going to go, like, if you want to play D&D, the TPK Brewing is going to open on Hawthorne 
which is unfortunately very close to my house. So I'm oh, no. um, it's a and d bar and they're going to have professional game masters on staff to run games mm-hmm. for you. Like you could rent them and they'll run a game and they've created, I think they have their own book and world that they created. This um, is the kind of stuff that people need to know about Portland. Mm-hmm. They were just- the cover story for uh, a couple weeks ago in the PBJ because yeah. we were doing a, a, a food issue and we're talking about who to do. And I was like, there's a D and D bar that's going to open in the fall. <laughs> we want to talk to somebody getting into being a restaurant and a brewery. And fall is the perfect time for a D and D themed restaurant to open. I'm just yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you should check it out. All right, Rick, wrap yes. it up. All right. Uh, do your magic. Malia. Always a pleasure. I mean, I am lucky enough to get to spend at least online time with you on a, on a consistent basis, given our professional roles. But um, I, and, and we run into one another, we ran into one and one another in person this week, actually. But um, I never get enough opportunities to spend just personal time with you. And I, I really enjoy and appreciate um you as a person in addition to the work you do. So having the opportunity to to just spend time chatting about Malia and not other work crap is is just really rewarding and um and and getting to learn about other facets of your life and and your inspiration and that kind of thing. We just we it's humbling. So thank you for Aww. taking the time to spend with us and, and for sharing with the, the folks who watch the show. And um, I just, I, we probably need to have you back to have some other chats, but really appreciate you carving out time Aww. to hang out with us today. That was so super great. I mean, you've been so impactful just in my time here in Portland and getting into the community here in Portland has just been huge. And so it's been great. Thank you. Of course. I think we're going to have Malia back on the special episode where I make Rick build a D and D character. <gasps> Would you like that? That would be fun. I'll have okay. to like brush up on actually how to do the rolling right. Cause I always mess it up. I haven't done it in so long. So between the two of us, we'll get him in the right direction. So let me guess. All I can tell you is my charisma will be low. That's all I know. <laughs> no, that's the thing. You get to play a character <laughs> and you can do whatever you want to do. Cool. Yeah. He's going to make his charisma low on purpose. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Malia, thank you so much for joining us. It was a delight. And thank you to the rest of you for being here and spending time with us. And to Mark and Janet for letting me say your names so many times for <laughs> so little reason. 